Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you use the area code 225, which is Baton Rouge. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always enjoy hearing from folks all around town, all around the country. All around the world. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I see we've got a line lit up already. We've got Fred online. Good morning, Fred. Good morning, sir. How are you today? Doing wonderful, sir. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Hey, look, I got a, a daughter. She had a 2006 Envoy, GMC Envoy. Mm-hmm. And it, the oil, it's a couple things going on. The oil uh, pressure, she said she'll pull up to a light. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it'll kind of go down to showing you look at it or so. And generally the oil is, we keep the same control. And, mm-hmm. But it'll do that sporadically. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question, all of a sudden, Fred. Out of the mm-hmm. blue. Down one or two parts. Yeah, well, let I mean, me ask you this. When all pressure drops down to zero, do you hear any unusual noises from the motor? Does it start to believe, tick or knock? Don't, or? don't believe so. She okay. indicated, she indicated it still runs fine. It sounds good. But, yeah, it's 5.3 uh, liter engine? No, it's the uh, 4.2. Uh, 4.2. Seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six They've had a fair amount of trouble with that all pressure setup on that thing, Fred. It's sort of a goofy arrangement. It's got two cinder units on it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's the And one. it's not an actual reading. It's an inferred reading, which okay. is really, really strange the way they did it. I don't know why in the world they did it like that. But any number of electrical issues can cause that to go to zero. What you might try to do is see if you can locate the two sensors. Yeah. Try unplugging one of them and see if it starts reading normal again. I know we have run across that where it's come in with a bad sensor, it's reading zero, you replace the bad sensor and it still reads zero, yeah. and you can unplug the other sensor and it starts reading again. Well, so, and when she's driving, it's reading fine. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's what it does. It's a very, very strange setup. Most likely, if you're not getting any kind of noises or anything out of the engine, it's probably not dropping to zero, although that would be relatively easy to check. You just have to remove one of the sending units, screw a non-good gauge in, let it sit there in the island, verify that you do have all pressure. Yeah. If well, that's the case, you just got to trace down the electrical problem. The, the issue that concerns me, too, more so than this, is that, you know, she's, she checks the oil regularly, mm-hmm. and it's reading full, reading full, reading full, and all of a sudden it's down one to two quarts. Mm-hmm. Is that after it's been good ways from the oil change, um, generally? Not necessarily. Of course, we're using the synthetic oils, and, you know, they say you can go further, but, you know, longer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it may be, maybe, yeah, a little bit beyond the, the oil. Yeah, it's it's a good ways if you're looking at the total mileage, you know, maybe yeah, I know three to five thousand miles. Yeah, when they start getting out past the oil change, what I consider a good oil change interval, they do start using more oil because you go through viscosity shear on the oil even though that synthetic doesn't break down per se, it does start to change viscosity and all that sort of thing. Most likely, it's burning that all unless there's a heck of a leak. big leak somewhere. But that wouldn't hardly be intermittent. You know, that would be pretty much right. all the time. This is this is like it goes fine, fine, mm-hmm. fine, fine. Then all of a sudden, well, thing. Yeah, there's, there's nothing on the dipstick. Yeah, the only thing that would be relatively simple, you might try to locate the PCV system on the vehicle, pull the hose off at the valve, and see if it's got a bunch of oil inside the hose. It could be that the PC system is sucking the oil out for some reason. That's not very likely. More likely, it's just burning oil. What I would try first, Fred, is go to a little bit less miles between your oil changes and see if mm-hmm. that helps. Because okay. when I've seen this occur, it's generally 
people are changing their oil every six to 10,000 miles. And when you get out past about four or five is when it starts to occur. I would okay. probably go closer to maybe 3,000 mile oil changes. Again, depending on how she's operating the vehicle, what's her average trip on the vehicle? Probably normally it's a short trip because mm-hmm. she lives near LSU and is a student yeah. at LSU. See, I hate the, I hate those long all change she doesn't even she mostly just walks or, or yeah. takes the well, bus. Well, see, but, if it doesn't get used enough and it's doing a lot of short trips, that's going to really, really yeah. make that a whole lot worse. And there's any number of factors like a little bit of seepage at one of the head gaskets, maybe mm-hmm. putting some glycol in the oil, which would make it use a lot more oil. There's lots of things like that. I think what I would do is recommend to her to start changing that all around every 3,000 miles, see if that problem takes up. Okay. Now, the PCV on on this one, Mm -hmm. you know, I went around it, and I guess then I did some reading. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, is it – it does not have a PCV? No, it's got a valve, but it's not a valve per se. It's an orifice tube. So, therefore, they say it doesn't have to be changed. What you will see is just a little – it looks like a PCV valve, but it's just got a little small hole in the bottom, and it acts like an orifice tube. It doesn't – have the valve in it that closes off at idle and all that because what they've been able to do with the computers see what a pcv valve does is that it closes off the airflow at idle to make it idle so it's not like a vacuum leak when you start to accelerate and get the engine turns a little faster it opens up the scavengers of pressure and then when you floor it again it closes off to keep it from backfiring through the thing they just do that electronically now with fuel trim and all that so what they have is an orifice tube and all it does is sucks fumes out the motor Okay, where and is that on this, this particular engine? Where is it? I don't know. I'd have to look okay. it up if there was data. I mean, we look at literally thousands of different engines, yeah. and there are different places on every right. one and every year and every make and blah, 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 blah. You just can't possibly know without looking it up. Different component. Yeah, you know. they just yeah. going to have one on there somewhere. You'll find a hose of some sort. It'll go maybe most time they're in a valve cover somewhere. Okay. You know, somewhere yeah. in there. You just have to find it. Remove the hose. If that hose is full of oil, wet oil, then it's uh-huh. probably sucking all out. And I've never seen on that particular engine, but I know on the V8s, on the 5.3, they came out with a revised valve cover for that same problem. It, they put a baffle inside the valve cover because it was sucking all through the valve cover on the left side. Okay. And there's a revised valve cover on the 5.3s. I hadn't seen that on the 4.2s, but there could be something like that. But, again, if you pull that hose and there's no oil in the hose, you know, just the normal yeah. grime that you'd expect to see, but no wet oil in there, that's probably not it. More likely, the oil's getting past the rings. It could be the rings are just getting old. Does it have a lot of miles on it? Yeah, it's got 170 plus. Yeah, yeah so the lot. rings are probably sticking some, and just when that oil starts going through viscosity here, it starts getting past the rings. I mean, the cheap fix is going to be just to go to more frequent oil changes. I mean, that's cost okay. almost nothing and has a pretty good chance of helping significantly of not eliminating the problem. Yeah. I mean, the other fix is tear down the engine and rebuild it, and, of course, that's right, not yeah. practical. Well, we had a trailblazer that, started giving issues and literally somebody had slapped an oil change sticker on it with the wrong numbers they had dirty oil i changed the oil and mm-hmm. also quit giving issues you'd um, be amazed how often that does yeah. help you know just going to more frequent yeah. oil changes helps a lot yeah do you have uh time for a carvet question or sure go I, ahead okay good got another one with a with a carvet as a the other day pulled into a parking spot put it in the park and the car started rolling, and then no matter what you do, it's an automatic, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. It won't go into won't go into gear. Won't let you start. You know the power and everything mm-hmm. there. You can push it, roll it. You know, it's as if the transmission probably the cable what uh, year? linkage cable came. Yeah, through. probably the end. The end of the cable probably broke off at the transmission. Is the most common thing it's, on well, it. Well, I got you know we went over there, and, and you know short version of the story is mm-hmm. damn near turned it over on its side to get under it. Mm-hmm. Saw the cable still hooked up at the transmission. Okay. I was able to 
click it, you know, up and you know back and forth. It, yeah, if I remember right, it went like four clicks, which seemed to me to be a little bit more than. What well, it just depends do. on where it stopped. Stop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, he had been in drive, but going back and forth, I couldn't get it to where you could, you know, it would indicate like it was neutral or par or parked. You could have started, and it still wouldn't start. Right. Okay? I'm not sure on that transmission if the Switch is on switch the is on transmission on the on the gear shifter. What year Corvette are we talking about? It's a 2010. 2010. Not sure. The yeah, indicator they, may be on the gear shifter. Yeah. And as long as that gear shifter is not in the right position or maybe in the linkage of the gear shifter, I guess the next thing will be to remove the console, look down in there and see if the cable's hooked up to the gear shift. And if so, it could be something in the gear shift mechanism itself. Some of those are electronically shifted. I'm not certain on that one. Yeah. But if the, I know on the Chrysler products, there's a little computer in the gear shifter, and when it goes out, it won't do anything. Right. So, we we so change those one, quite a bit. This one, I think it indicates it's got a cable, and, you know, when I looked underneath mm-hmm. it, from what I know. There was a cable there? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, there was I'm a looking cable maybe the cable now. attached where it attaches to the shifter itself. It could have broke on that end. Yeah. Now, underneath the Corvette, it looks different than any other vehicle. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. With, right? so mm-hmm. I had trouble even finding the doggone thing. Oh, yeah. But, um, but so that's what I suspect is that it came off in the uh, in the console, mm-hmm. and I was just any idea what kind of how rough it is getting that apart. Man, um, I can only imagine it's a pretty good sized deal, like everything on a Corvette. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like you said, when they built those cars to look cool, go fast, and not to be worked on. I can tell you. Yeah. You know, they just everything on is pretty complex. I mean, I don't think it's an insurmountable task, but it's not a walk in the park either. I'm sure. Okay. Well, look, guys, I appreciate your show, and I appreciate your time. Hi, Fred. Uh, yeah, my bigger concern was the uh, the 2006. I don't I don't know what I was looking at, whether it's something that's getting ready to just, uh, you know, come apart on me. Yeah, or whether it's, it's uh, probably getting close to the end of its life, but, again, that doesn't mean it's going to die tomorrow. I mean, you may have another couple of years in it. I would just go to more frequent oil changes, the easiest thing, and then on that oil pressure, get somebody to screw a regular gauge in there and verify that you do have oil pressure, and if you do, then just trace down the electrical issue. But I know they have a really weird setup, well, and that's a fairly common yeah. issue with well, them. And I'm more concerned about the oil usage, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, you know I figured that it seems to have pressure run good and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just concerned that the oil usage seems to be erratic. Like yeah. it holds fine, then all of a sudden, bingo, you put two quarts back into it. Right, and then, right. You know, you go a couple more weeks, and it's a quart down again. Yeah, I would go to more frequent changes. Even if you okay. switch from synthetic back to regular uh, fossil oil, you could do that and go to more frequent changes. I think you may clear some of that up. Okay. All righty. All right, look, sir, thank, thank you very much. Uh-huh. Thank you. Sure, bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would absolutely love to have you. We're going to take a quick little break and be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hey, Jim. Becky said you were in the office and, whoa, what is up with all the charts and graphs, buddy? Oh, I'm using my system I've developed to keep up with the maintenance on my three cars. Is that an armillary sphere? Yes, yes it is. So, the oil gets changed every third full moon. Brake pads divide the years Becky and I have been married by our oldest son's age. Timing belt is leap year, except when it's on the time. You know there's a better way, right? I just take my cars into Agco once a year for a general inspection. They give me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need. Sometimes it's just an oil change and they send me on my way. One time, they caught something that could have led to a huge repair. Saved me thousands. Wow, that sounds great. You know, I'm always trying to save money any way I can. Uh, Let me get Agco's number online and uh, give them a call. Is that dial-up? Dude, there's a better way to save money. 
Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901. And that's what Bruce did. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. How you? Good morning. You ought to be outside fishing somewhere. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I recently uh, bought a new F-150. Okay. And I was wondering about the, that electric steering in there. Mm-hmm. Do you know anything about it? I know they're very, very expensive, and we yep. change them a lot. <laughs> well, the truck is expensive. Yeah. yeah. About a fifteen, sixteen hundred dollar part, and first time you run through high water, it'll be gone. Well, I'll try not to do that. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would <laughs> highly recommend not doing that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, rain on the road doesn't bother you? Uh, they right. seem to be fairly well sealed. Yeah. I mean, all the ones that I've seen go out, was, most of them had driven through high water, hit a curb, something to that effect. I did have one that had an oil leak that the guy neglected and oil ran down and got in it some kind of way and took it out. I mean, you know my feelings pretty well anyway. I don't like a lot of this high-tech garbage they put on vehicles, but that's just the way it is. You don't have much choice. And I'm not too crazy about Ford it. seems to be more pushing that kind of junk yeah. than, than all the rest of them. They always putting something new, something high-tech on their uh, vehicles. They, like, they think it helps them sell vehicles. I don't know. Uh, I had a 07 GMC Classic that mm-hmm. went the way of the big water. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, those uh, are good trucks. But that's uh, now. I was just wondering about that steering in it. Anything that I should watch out for? Uh, not much you can do with it, Bruce. Yeah. It's all sealed. There's no maintenance or anything. Oh, there's no fluid in it or anything like that. You can change. I think it's all all yeah, electric. It's, all it's, electric. Just, it's got like a big, almost like a starter motor hanging off the side of it. It's right under the front of the truck. You got to be a little careful if you ever take truck off road because it's pretty vulnerable. And it's sitting right down the front of the cross member. It doesn't take a whole lot to knock it. Even pulling up on a curb too hard, if you hit it, you're going to, you know, it's aluminum, you're going to bust it wide open. And uh-huh. They'd be into and a big thing. Just be careful with it. It's all you can do. And, of course, warranty won't cover that. No. Mm. It's not covering any kind of abuse as far as water getting into it or all getting into it or hitting anything. I mean. Yeah. I can't say I'll blame them for that. Well, yeah, I mean. But, again, they don't want to pick the location. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. For it, so. All right. Thank you, fellas. All right, Bruce. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Alright, 291-6901 the number. If you want to be part of the automotive eye, we'd love to spend some of our Saturday morning with you. Go ahead and give us a call. Yeah, we would. You know, they a lot of you manufacturers are going to electric power steering now. Mm-hmm. Well, electric everything pretty much. And for the most part, they used to be under the the motor assembly used to be under the dash on the steering column. Mm-hmm. And you just had a manual rack out underneath right. the hood. Well, now they've tried to incorporate it all into to one unit, so now they moved the, the electric motor out to the under the hood with the rack and pinion. Right. Which and I think makes is kind it a of a bad, yeah, yeah, kind of a bad move. But that's, you know, if they can make one part move work in the place of two, they're going to do that. Yeah. Or if they can make five work in the place of six, they're going to do it. Their biggest concern is their own cost. Sure. And, and assembly. Cost of assembly is a big, big part of their cost. And the less pieces they have to put together, then the less expensive the yep. unit is going to be as a whole. Which is one reason we don't have rear-wheel drive cars anymore. Right. You know, the rear-wheel drive was a pretty pretty durable yeah, stout. assembly. And the what killed it, some of it is weight because it was a heavier assembly because when you right. make more parts, it's heavier. But another thing was the time of assembly because you had to assemble all these different components, whereas with a front-wheel drive, everything's in one unit. You got a power unit, you drop it in, that's the that's motor, done. the transmission, the differential, the drive shafts, whoop, goes in at one time. So the cost of assembly to the manufacturer is much less. Sure. Now, 
again, people loved the rear-wheel drive cars, and they hung in there quite a while. I remember, like, the Ford Crown Vicks and all that was the one Caprice, of the, yeah. the last ones to go. But, I mean, they finally just phased them out and said, hey, you can't have that. <laughs> yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're not making those anymore. We're not making those. Shove off. So, anyway, it's, it's just kind of the way it is. And I'm sure that there are some of the electrical components that they've come up with now that are good and will prove out to be good, and that's right. wonderful. You know, I'm not anti-technology, although it seems like it sometimes. What I am against is technology that does not save people money. Correct. And I don't see just doing something different just to do just, it different. Just because. If you've got a new method that is better, it's going to save people money, it's going to last longer, it's going to operate better, great, I'm all for it. It's just like going from drum brakes to disc brakes. Yeah. They, they that was a operated fast improvement. Better, mm-hmm, or going from carburetors to fuel injection. Right. Absolute wonderful innovation. You know, that's I'm all for that. Even some of the materials and stuff they use in the automatic transmissions – as they evolve, because the original automatic transmission were not all that durable, mm-hmm. but they've gotten them now where they'll last as long as a manual transmission will sure. under good care. Those are all innovations that I'm all for. But when you just innovate just to do it, right? Just like, hey, look what we can do. Look you know, what we hold, can do. Hold my beer and watch this. Yeah, how cool is this? You know, well, and you see things like some of the vehicles will come in. They've got these variable rate shock absorbers mm-hmm. with this, that, and the other. And the guy who drives the car is probably unaware it's even on there. Right. Because there's virtually no difference that he can feel in driving or riding or any of that, except that one day one of the shocks blows out, and you tell him, hey, it's two grand for a shock absorber. And one. He, he, yeah, for one of them. And you can't change just one. you got to change two, so it's going to be 4000 bucks. 4000 bucks plus labor. And he hits the ceiling. Well, because that's what's on your car. Exactly. And you can't get mad at the auto repair guy because – Right, he's just trying to fix it He's for just you. trying to fix the mess that's there. <laughs> and, and, you know, you brought that subject up, and I'm glad you did. Mm-hmm. We had a guy come in with a transmission. He wanted transmission service the other mm-hmm. day. It was a fairly late model Chrysler product. Mm-hmm. Chrysler now has a – this is this one had an eight-speed transmission. Right. The filter is now part of the pan. Right. So when Ford you, did that a while back. When you change the filter, you have to change the pan also. Right. At a cost of over 350 bucks, Just for the part. Just for the part. Mm-hmm. Then the fluid is the special fluid that goes in this unit, right. $32 a quart. Right. So the bill was almost $900 by the time yeah. it was all said and done yeah, for, to for service the transmission. Service, transmission service. That should have been 150 bucks. Exactly. And, yeah, it's just when you – and I got to ask myself, you know, what is the improvement what's, to the what's, customer? What's the what advantage? What does the customer get out of this? Right. Because what it does is that EPA – is breathing down their neck to get better numbers uh-huh. in this different testing that they do. And the testing that they do is done on a dynamometer with a motor running at a certain, a certain speed, RPM. a certain RPM. So EPA says, okay, this is not real world. So what we want to see is out on the road what these numbers look like. Well, of course, they're off the chart sure. now because engines don't sit there and run at one speed. They can optimize it to run at one speed. Right. But when you went above or below that, the numbers went crazy. So EPA caught on to that and said, no, we want more real-world kind of stuff. So they said, okay, we got to get these numbers to read right to get past EPA over a wider range. So the way to do that is put more gears in the transmission. Sure. They or keep go the, to a keep variable the R- transmission. Keep the RPM in that, in that range, but then allow the vehicle to have different be speeds. Right. right. And it's kind of sort of – I mean, I'm not for raking the environment over the coals, but – 
you really just play in a numbers game. You're just sure. like, hey, we can make these numbers come out right so this guy's happy and he goes home and gets off my back and yak, yak, yak. I don't know if you're helping anybody, but right. what you ended up with is a transmission that probably costs eight to $10,000 when you got to replace it, $900 and, to service it. Yeah. And, and if you, you don't service about, it, you're going to replace it a lot sooner. Right. You're talking about, a say, a 10-year-old car. You're going to put another ten grand in it? Right. For a transmission? Just for a transmission. So where does it go from there? Yeah. And you know, that goes back in an environment. Right. More and more and more and more people are seeing these things where, you know, our advice has always been get an older car, maintain it, keep it longer. But that's even drying that's, up as a yeah. resource because I know we had a Ford pickup come in the other day. This was like a 2008 model. Is it eight or a 10? I think it was a 10. May have been. The, I'm not sure what I would consider a fairly new truck. Sure. Sure. And it needed a little piece of the dash that was cracked up. You call for it, it's discontinued. Yeah. You can't get it. We ain't making it anymore. Yeah, we're not making that. <laughs> <laughs> now what? Yeah, so what do you do now? You can't get this part. And more and more and more, that's happening. And if it's a part that you can do without, like let's say it's a door panel and it's got a tear in it. Well, it's annoying, but I right. guess if you had to, you put a piece of vinyl tape over it and live with it. But let's say it's the power control module. Now, it's gone. There are none. You no, can't, can't get the part. It. The car is pretty much done. Mm -hmm. And, again, that's happening more and more and more these days where it's, they're obsoleting parts. You just can't get them. And for some reason, I find Ford is the worst about that. Right. As far as, I mean, six years, they're, they're obsoleting done. some parts. You just can't get it. Like, let's say your instrument cluster goes out. The car is eight years old. Well, if you can't get that, you can't put a used one because it can't be programmed. Right. So, there's no other option unless somebody has figured out a way to rebuild this thing, which in many cases it can't be rebuilt. Now you just got a car you got to you got total. You got to get rid of and and go get another one. Yeah, and and mostly what you're buying now is even more technology in, incorporated than the one you're getting rid of. <laughs> you know, so you just dig, kind of digging, digging yourself, yourself deeper, 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 deeper. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we got to take one more quick little break. Gerald Holo, you'll be straight up after this break. So, Tina, are you interested in shopping next weekend? Oh, well, me and Harold leave for our European cruise on Friday. Another cruise? What? Are you all blowing the kids' inheritance? <laughs> no, we're just smart with our money. Like, our cars are paid off, and we're big on preventative maintenance. Harold takes them in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what we need to keep the cars running right. You'd be surprised on how fast you can save for a cruise without two car notes. <laughs> wow, I never thought of that. I have time to do a little shopping this afternoon, though. I've got to get Harold a bathing suit. He keeps saying he wants one of those tiny Speedo suits because that's what everybody wears in Europe. And I cannot let that happen. Okay, now I have an image of Harold strutting around the pool in a Speedo. I think I'm going to book a general inspection from Agco to clear my mind. He wanted hot pink, too. <laughs> Tina, stop. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We got Gerald's been patiently holding. Good morning, Gerald. Hi, if it's all right, I got two quick questions. You I'll bet. I'll try to make them very, very brief. I bought recently a 2014 Honda CRV from a dealer. It was certified, and it's about 200 miles away from where I live, but it is under warranty. But mm -hmm. my question is in the morning when you start it up, the brakes scrub almost like metal on metal, and then in just Two or three minutes, it goes away and mm -hmm. never does it again. Uh -huh. Yeah. Every morning. 
most of the time on that, Gerald, in fact, almost every time I've seen that, it's going to be one of two things. Either they put aftermarket brake pads on it, and what's happening is that at night they absorb the moisture you know, because the humidity is so high here, and they get that moisture in them, which makes them grind like that the first several applications. They get hot enough, and they boil it out, and they go on from there. The only other thing I've seen do that is someone turned the rotors on, and they just got too rough of a finish on them. And that makes an almost metal-on-metal metal sound. And I don't know why it goes away when they heat up, but they just seem to. It's, it's always worse when they're cold. In fact, all brake noise is generally worse when it's cold. When the pads heat, they tend to get quieter for some reason. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. But look at the rotor finish. And if it's not real smooth, like if you can see little marks all in it, tool marks when it was turned, then most likely you end up changing the front rotors, and that's not too big of a deal on that one. Those rotors are fairly inexpensive and fairly easy to change. Yeah. And I would probably go ahead and change the pads too. If I change the, I like I never like to put a you know a new rotor with an old pad because pads and rotors seat to each other. But uh-huh. I mean, if the pad is still thick and you can put up with the noise, I mean it's nothing you can't just put up with until they wear out next time around. Just do it different and get rid of the problem. And there should be a shim pack on those pads also right. between the caliper mount and the back of the pad. There should be a silver uh-huh. shim, and if I'm not mistaken, there's a black shim that goes under it. So there should be two and that's shims. That's supposed to be packed with grease. Those are supposed to be on there, and if they're not, they will make noise without them. Right, and if they use an aftermarket pad, they may not have put the shims. May back have thrown in them it. away, and I believe Honda comes Honda with comes it. with the shims. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, my final question is, I also bought a 2012 Sienna mm-hmm. with only 4,300 miles on it. And wow. I know you're big on uh, changing fluids and stuff over time. What should I change on this thing just from the get-go? Well, at 2012, that's going to be at least five years old. Gerald, I would look at probably a complete swap out of all the fluids on yeah. it. I mean, I would certainly change the coolant. It's due at five years. I would look at changing transmission fluid, even though you got very low miles on it, because to get such low miles over the, that many years, it's probably not been driven a whole lot, which is really kind of tough on it. So I would definitely change the transmission. I'd change the coolant. The brake fluid? The brake fluid if yeah. it hasn't been done. Because, see, brake fluid generally gets changed at each brake service. But most people would burn a set of brakes off by that by five years. And uh-huh. it's just this one hadn't been driven much. So that fluid sitting there, it tends to get contaminated. That fluid gets water in it, and it starts to corrode the ABS unit and all that. So... The only reason in the world you'd want to do all this is because it's way cheaper than not doing it. Yeah. You know, you can prevent problems that are going to cost you a whole, whole lot of money down the road. For very and, little now. Yeah, very little now. I mean, you, you can spend several hundred dollars changing all the fluids out on it, but you may save several thousand dollars down the road by doing it. And do yourself a favor. Use the Toyota coolant. Yeah. Whatever it. I think Toyota that's brand. The super, I think it's the super, super long white pink, and it'll be pre-mixed. Right. All right. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank You're you. You're welcome. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we always love hearing from you. Why don't you give us a call? And, you know, we were talking about several different things with all the different callers and stuff. And this morning when I was coming in, got on the 12-mile bridge, of course, parking lot. Traffic absolutely stopped. And I got to one point and there's an 18 wheeler they're trying to get off the road and you can just smell the brakes are just just burn burning up. on this thing and it's probably an inexperienced driver in it i don't know that but i would assume because most experienced drivers sort of know how to drive and stop and go traffic right and what you got to remember is that when you are in stop and go traffic if you kind of ride the brake like some people do you keep your foot on the brake and let it just roll forward and then apply it to stop and let up but don't get off of it right those brakes generate 
a tremendous amount of heat. Even moving slowly like that. Moving slowly. They still, that brake they pad is in contact that. and it's holding together and it's just generating more and more heat that it can't give off. Uh-huh. What you're doing that, what you want to do is let the vehicle roll, take your foot off the brake, completely. let it roll forward, and then completely stop. And I know when it's just inching forward, inching forward, that's inconvenient. But you may just have to let the guy ahead of you get ahead a bit and then go ahead and roll forward and hit the brakes again. Right. Because when you're off the brakes, they're cooling off. And when you're sitting completely stopped, they're cooling off. But when you are rolling even slow. You're generating heat between generating those heat, two components. And they will, like this guy found out the hard way, you can burn them up. Yeah. I know we had a fella come in and he was pretty angry with the shop that had been doing the work on his car which is sort of illogical to me but what happened is they had done a brake service on his car okay about a year or so before and he was bringing it to us because his brakes were making a lot of noise and they were shuddering and when he brought it back to the original shop they told him well no these brakes have been overheated you're gonna need to replace this stuff uh-huh. well he brings to me and i tell him the same thing but he kind of accepted it from me for one reason or another, but he was mad at the other. I said, well, you can't be mad at the other shop. No, you it's know, the way you're driving the vehicle. It is. the way, Well, I don't know. I said, well, I said, have you been in the hills? Well, yeah, we just got back from Tennessee not long oh, ago. Man. I said, okay. <laughs> and you're probably, you're from Louisiana. You're not used to driving in the mountains. When yep. you came down that mountain and you, you rode, rode those brakes. brakes all the way down, you toasted them. I mean, I can, can see the rotors are blue. Yeah. The caliper boots were starting to melt. I mean, the thing had gotten so hot, it just basically burned the brakes up. You can always tell somebody that's inexperienced in the hills when you right. go up there. You can smell it. That's right. Oh, you can smell them burning. And yeah. stop and go traffic can be almost as bad. Almost. You know, it, it, with that constantly, constantly keeping your foot on the brake. So just kind of a little tip there might save you a whole bunch of money. Let's go back to our phone lines. we got David online. Good morning, David. Lewis, yes. how's it going? Buddy? Good, great, man. I am the guy that brought the Jeep in this week for the transmission service, and I just wanted to congrat or compliment your staff for being up front and honest about the pricing on it. Because you know, all I said is I wanted a, a transmission service. Right. Nine out of a hundred stops would have done it and hit me with a bill for nine hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, but, uh, I wasn't going to do that to you, man. <laughs> I started looking that stuff up, and I thought, man, this is this is getting ridiculous. And I questioned Elizabeth two or three times. I said, "You sure you got the right price?" She says, "I am positive." I called Chrysler. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was almost a $900 bill by the time wow. it was to be serviced. Crazy. Yeah, so I guess my question, guys, is given that it's that expensive, every 30,000 miles just wouldn't make sense. No. But what do you think, maybe 60, 70,000 miles? Yeah, I mean, the you, book says 60. It was like 60? I, I okay. pulled, if you're looking at the back of your service manual in your Jeep, mm-hmm. it says under severe service, and they listed out some, some applications, but they wanted it 60 months or 60,000 miles. Right, right. I mean, okay. the only reason, David, to do the service on it is like we t- everything else we talk about, it's less expensive than not doing it. Right. Even at 900 bucks, it's less than that $6,000, $8,000 transmission if it goes out. I would probably go out to, like Brian said, 60,000 miles. You're not doing any towing with it or anything? I tow a little boat a few times a year, but it's not real heavy. And yeah. I don't go very far. It is, it is towing. Yeah, yeah. it's towing and stuff. And plus, Baton Rouge is just, it's a very hot area. It's a lot of stop and go traffic. I probably wouldn't go much more than 60 on it. Okay. I mean, um, the, only I other, the only other thing you could do to contain that cost some is you could change just the fluid in it maybe a little more often and stretch yeah. the filter out longer. Because if you're changing the fluid more often, the filter wouldn't necessarily last longer because you're dropping the contaminants out of it. You know, you could go to maybe drop, uh, 
change the fluid in it every 30,000 and change the filter maybe every 90,000 or something. Okay. Might might uh, save some money. And two, someone I may could, come out with an aftermarket filter that'll replace yeah. that whole assembly. Or, or Chrysler may even revisit it and drop the price on it. Who knows? To get enough complaints. That would be good. I did a little research. It's supposedly a ZF transmission out mm-hmm. of Germany. Right. Uh-huh. I've heard that those are actually pretty well made. They're not like old Ford transmission they threw in the Explorers. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that maybe, you know, it's a little more rugged than what. What it, it might be. Used. It could be. They use a lot of ZFs in a lot of different vehicles, and sometimes they're good, sometimes not so much. Just depends. BMW had a lot of trouble with some of them a while back, but that doesn't mean this one's going to have trouble. Yeah. It's too new to really have a track history, so it's just one of those things yeah. you got to kind of wait and see. But again, eight speed. I mean, it's shifting at least twice as much as a four speed, so more stuff's moving around in there. You know, more stuff generating yeah. debris and what have you. But, I mean, yeah. it's just, just, li- just life we got these days. I mean, ain't a whole lot you can do about it. Exactly. Well, I appreciate it, guys. All right, man. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Dave. All right, 291-6901 is the number. And go back to our phone lines. We've got Don online. Good morning, Don. Good morning. How you doing, guys? Doing great, man. Good morning. Good. I have a 2014 Honda CRV mm-hmm. and uh, about 30,000 miles on it, 32,000. And it's developed a shuttering when it's shifting. It seems like. When I turn a corner, it doesn't want to downshift, so I brought it back to the dealership. They changed the fluid, mm-hmm. and they reprogrammed it, but okay. it has started doing it again. So you have any experience with that? How long has it been since they did that, Don? Maybe six months. Okay, so it didn't stay fixed very long. Most no. likely what you're talking about is that the shutter's probably a torque converter shutter, and the fluid can cause that. It just it depends on how they serviced it. If they did a single drain and fill on it, which is what a lot of dealers do, you're generally not going to get rid of it for very long. I like to do a double drain and fill. That's where you drop the fluid, refill it with the right fluid, go drive it about 10, 15 minutes, come back and immediately do it again. Because okay. what happens, that's got a filter built inside the transmission that you can't get to without taking transmission out, taking it apart. But when you turn the key off and kill the engine, the fluid runs backwards through the filter, which tends to wash it out. Now, second you crank it up, it sucks it right back into the filter again, obviously. But what we find is that if I put clean fluid in it, go drive it, let it suck up whatever debris is in there, because that clean fluid's got more detergents, going to pick more of it up. When I cut it off immediately and drain it again, I can get more of the fluid out. I would try a good double drain and fill on it first. Okay. Now, if that doesn't do it, it could be the torque converter's just got a problem and it's just going to keep recurring. If you're out of warranty now, it's going to be a, you just got to make a decision how far you want to go. If you're still under warranty of any kind, I would kind of hold their feet to the fire on it and make them address it. Yeah, no, I'm out of warranty. And so, actually, when I brought it in the first time, it was like a month out of warranty. Mm-hmm. So, I, I guess I need to solve for it and uh, bring it to you guys or someone that. Yeah, do that double drain. Do a good double drain and fill on it, and I gotta say that fixes an awful lot of them, Don. I I haven't had a lot of repeat problems. Now they do make a stuff called a friction modifier. I'm not real big on additives of any kind, but sometimes if the shutter's still there, you can add just a little bit of that. And what it does, it does the same thing the Honda Fluid does, just does a little bit more of it. And sometimes that'll buy you a bunch of time, too. And just because a little's good, a whole lot's better. Doesn't mean a whole lot's better. Right. Okay. You're making the clutch slip a little bit is what you're doing. You don't want that happening either, so. Right. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. 
I-291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And go back to our phone lines. Got Herb online. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Yes, sir. Uh, I had a Honda before, a Honda oh, oh, 2012 Honda uh, Ridgeline, mm-hmm. and the flood got it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I now have a Toyota. And I have just bought two gallons of Honda antifreeze, a bottle of fire steering fluid, and a bottle of brake fluid. Mm-hmm. Is that stuff compatible with anything else? No, it's mm-hmm. Honda only. I would probably sell that to someone else, or I don't know if you can get your money back on it. If you still got your receipt, they might give you money back on it. It hadn't been too, too long. You know, I would probably first off try to go back and get your money back from Honda if you can because you'll get your full price back if they do that. Yeah. If you sell it, it's just the nature of used stuff. Even though it's brand new, you're not going to get the same price you paid new, you know? Right. Well, I had to receipt in the truck. You know what happened is. That's not good. Herb, if you just want to get rid of it, I'll buy it from you at, at whatever our cost is from Honda. You know, it's, it'd be less than you probably paid for it, but not a great deal less. Anything would be. Be sitting there yeah. doing nothing. Yeah, Recoup Honda fluids. Honda fluids are unique to Honda. Yeah, and and they're very good fluids. I mean, I, that's all we use in the Honda products. So, but they are unique to Honda. Okay. Well, one of these days I'm gonna double check and make sure there ain't none of the seals has been broke on it or anything. And then okay. I'll, I'll bring it to you and see. If just anything will beat nothing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Thanks, sir. All right, all right. All right. thanks, man. Bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. We're gonna go back to our phone lines. We got Chris online. Good morning, Chris. Hey, Lewis. Yes. Got a. 07 GMC Classic. Mm-hmm. Okay. You had changed the lower column bearing on my Yukon a number of years ago, and I thought I'd try this one myself. Okay. And everything I've heard said putting the new one in is the hard part. <laughs> I can't even get the old one out. Yeah. And sometimes, Chris, you don't have to change those. What we've had pretty good luck with, there is a muffler clamp that will fit around that column. I think think it's two and a quarter inch i believe it is kind of going by memory you can put that at the base of that column right where that bushing's at and just don't go crazy on it but just tighten it up a little bit and what it does it squeezes that column down just enough to take slack out of that barren way yeah. way easier than changing it and solves the problem a lot of times that does sound easier okay mm-hmm. A muffler clamp not a hose clamp no it's no, a, muffler it'd be a muffler clamp you know the round with the, the so you metal mold. You bolt with yeah, a Yeah, like the clamp buckles on. on with. Yep. And I okay. want to say, I think it's two and a quarter inch. I wouldn't swear to that, but I think it's two and a quarter. You might throw a caliper or something on it and measure it. And again, okay. you don't want to get crazy and crush the thing down and lock the column up or anything. But, right. You uh, just want to snug it up. Just snug it up before you take a little bit of that slack out of that lower bushing, and that seems to work pretty well for us. Oh, okay. I'll try that instead. All right. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Chris. All right. Thanks, man. Bye bye. All right, we got to take our last quick little break, and we will be right back. Glenn, Mike, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Hey, Mike, heading out for your run? <laughs> I just knocked out three miles myself. Yep, did my meditation this morning to de-stress, and now I'm going to get a little exercise. Tomorrow I need to take the car into the shop, though. That shaking problem's getting worse. Uh, you know, you should take care of your car like you take care of your body, and it would save you some money. What do you mean? Preventative maintenance is key. Me and Kathy bring our cars in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They give them the once-over and perform the maintenance needed to keep us on the road. I haven't had any kind of major problem with my cars in forever. I guarantee they would have caught the cause of your shaking issue and fixed it before it became a problem. And probably saved me money, too. Yep. All right, I'm heading home this evening for steak and lobster. 
Then Kathy and I are going to test run our new hot tub. Surf and turf and a new hot tub? Yeah, and champagne. Saving money on your car allows you to enjoy the finer things in life, Mike, my boy. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, President of Agco Automotive, our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We've got all our lines lit up. We'll see if we can catch as many of these as possible. And let's see, we've got Mike's been holding the longest. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Uh, good morning. A hey, quick question here. I have a uh, 2003 F-150 with a 4.2 in it. Mm-hmm. Got about 85,000 miles. I bought it used about 20,000 miles ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm having a constant issue where the tailpipe is building up. It looks like, to me, an abnormal amount of soot on the mm-hmm. uh, outside inch, maybe, around yeah, the outside, yeah. and then also on the inside. I'm just wondering what you think might cause that. Mike, probably, you're not really driving it very much at all. I mean, the miles relative to the years, just not getting driven a whole, whole lot. The way that clears up, I mean, unless it's burning a whole lot of oil, which you didn't mention, which I, I doubt that's it, or burning a whole lot of extra fuel, which you didn't mention, so I'm kind of doubting that. I would say probably it's just not getting driven long enough on long enough trips to really get hot that far back on the pipe. You know, the heat comes out of the engine and it starts to diminish as soon as it goes down the pipe, and the further out it goes, the less it does. So it tends to be pretty clean. If you took that pipe off right ahead, it'd probably be clean inside because the heat's burned up whatever soot and stuff is in there. But you get all the way out to the end of that tailpipe, and again, unless you drive it, 70 miles an hour for four or five hours, you know, once a week or so, you're probably going to have some of that build up. I mean, if it's not burning a lot of excessive fuel or a lot of excessive oil or anything like that, I really wouldn't be too concerned with it. You might try taking a couple long trips and just see if it doesn't clear it up. That's good. That that, that makes sense. It is used most of the truck. So. Mm-hmm. So that, that answers my question. Thank you. And real quick, uh, mm-hmm. guys, I'm thinking about buying a, a new used car, and I'm trying to think of what to stay away from the most. These are the things I'm concerned about. Direct fuel injection, the CVT, turbo, 6-plus speed, and the push-button start. You're all new technology. Mm-hmm. Which one would you stay away from the most? Which is the most problematic? Well, any one of those is potentially problematic, but again, it's like everything else. You're not going to find a car that doesn't have that on it. Yeah, it's hard to find anything without all that. And the answer, I think, is just to maintain the car the best you possibly can, even proactively. If you look at the recommendation schedule that comes from the manufacturer, that's predicated on selling you another car, more so than it is length of life for the car. So I would get a trusted professional to advise me. And I would probably proactively maintain whatever vehicle you might buy. Obviously, the less of that stuff you can get, the better. And you just have to hunt around and see what you can find. But it's going to be difficult to find a newer vehicle that doesn't have a lot, if not all that, on it. If you got a turbocharger, then that is a very heavy oil usage type device. So it's imperative not to go to those extended oil changes with that and to use a synthetic oil. I mean, the same thing on all of that. Uh, the CVT, a lot of the problems can be negated by changing the fluid in it, more so than what they re- recommend by the manufacturer. You know, it's just technologies that are extremely expensive to replace when they break, and that generally is going to drive a person back to a new car. And it's what drives a person to a new car faster than a big repair bill. You know, and, and the manufacturers know that. And, I mean, they don't want you to be unhappy. They want you to get maybe 100,000 miles out of it. But after that, hey, they really want you to buy another car. 
And so that's just the way they're building them. There's not much we can do about it other than try to maintain it the best we can. Good advice as always, guys. I love the show. Thank you. All right, Mike. Thanks Thank for calling, you. man. Bye-bye. All right. All right, 291-6901. We're going to try to catch one more call. We've got Glenn on line. Good morning, Glenn. Yes, sir. I was wondering, does Toyota require that you use Toyota antifreeze in them? It doesn't require it, but I can't think of any reason in the world not, not to. to. I mean, yeah. it's a good product. It's reasonably priced. It does a good job. It's I already not, mixed. It's, yeah, the, if it's a late model, it's going to be pre-mixed, so that saves you the trouble of having to mix it, and you know you got distilled water in it. But, no, they do not require that. It's just that if you do change to a different coolant that does not have the right ingredients, you may end up with problems, and, frankly, it's going to occur out of warranty, so they're not too worried right. about it anyway. But, you know, yeah. your heater core goes out because you had some kind of a high-phosphate coolant or silicate-type coolant or the water pump goes out. It's not going to go out while it's under warranty, so it's really not going to be an issue to them. It's just, say hey, that was your choice, and now you got to live with it type thing, you know. But I don't see any reason in the world not to use the Toyota product. We buy it by the case from Toyota, and I don't make squat on it. I mean, I could buy other coolant a whole lot cheaper, but I know that's the right thing to do, so that's what we do in every car we service. Okay, well, that answers that question. One more. What do you consider the proper pressure in a tire? Well, it depends on what kind of tire you're talking about. Glenn, I've got an article on my website that goes into that in depth. And you might just go to my website and just type in tire pressure, and it'll tell you all the different criteria and stuff. As a basic rule, if the tire, if it's on a car or something, and the number starts with a P, like a P165, 85, yeah, 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 then what I like to do is start out about 10% under the maximum listed on the sidewall. Now, that may ride a little rough, and it may make the tire pressure light come on on some vehicles. But you can't ever go below the number on the door tag. That's the minimum. 10% under the maximum is the maximum. I like more air because the tire lasts longer. You know, And that's how I look at it from a standpoint of overall cost. My tires last longer. I don't care if it rides a little rougher. The number on the door is generally the minimum it takes to support the weight of the car safely. So they give you a minimum because they want the car to ride smoother. The truth is probably somewhere in between. Yeah. And, again, a lot of the newer TPMS sensors are calibrated not only for a low pressure but for a high and a low. And if you put more air than what they call for, the light will kick on. So on those, you're just more or less stuck. But, I mean, I like to start out somewhere around 10% under that maximum. And the reason being, when the tire heats up, it's going to go up about 10%. You don't ever want to exceed the maximum. But that will generally give you better tire life, albeit at the cost of a little bit rougher ride. So if you put that in there and it feels like it rides rough, come down a little bit and watch your tires. But go to the website, go, you know, search that uh, article. It gives you a lot more information on it. That address is Agco Auto, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O. Right. Okay, that sounds good to me. All right, All right thank, sir. thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye. All right, I see we have squandered Just, another perfectly good hour. That's it. <laughs> another hour gone. That's right. When you start kind of winding on up, getting ready to get out of here, had a lot of good calls today. A lot of great calls. Yeah. A couple things I wanted to get into, we didn't get a chance, but we'll just roll over next week. There you go. So if you want we'll to know, be, we'll if, be here live and in person at 10 o'clock next Saturday that's morning. Right. If you want to know what they are, you just got to listen next week. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you tell everybody how much you appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, get some more people listening. There you go. Go, go to, to a written review if you can and fill out that, that review for us. That's right. That'll move us up in the rankings so more people can listen, and that way we can keep on doing the show. That's it. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.